Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. All My Hope is a series that we've been in, of course, for Christmas. And uh, when you think about uh, Christmas time uh, or Easter special times like that, uh, sometimes for us as believers, it might be easier during those seasons to think about hope, to have hope because of what the focus ought to be about. Amen. Uh, I say what the focus ought to be about because sometimes even as believers, we can fall into the worldly focus of Christmas or the worldly focus of Easter and, uh, and maybe not be thinking about the type of things that give us hope uh, at, at Christmas time. But even though that's been the case and we've been talking about hope all through this Christmas season, what about the rest of the year? What about a new year that's getting ready to come upon us unless the Lord comes back and takes us out of this place before uh, tonight at midnight. Uh, what about a new year? Because in, in a new year, we can look ahead and, and maybe be a little bit skeptical and concerned not knowing what we're going to face. We don't know what bumps in the road we may hit in 2018. We don't know what kind of unforeseen sudden bends in the road are going to take place. And we can't see around the bend and know everything that, that we'll have to deal with, everything that we'll have to face in, in the coming years. So that can be a little bit scary, I, I guess, for us to a certain degree when we think about a, a new year. Some of you may be happy that a new year is coming because there's some things in 2017 you didn't like and you want to get away from it. And you got some hope as you're thinking about moving toward uh, a new year. But at the same time, some of us will maybe hit some things, face some things, whatever, in, in our lives that we just don't know is on the agenda, on the schedule right now. That can be a little bit of a scary thing. That's why I want us to focus upon this on the Sunday before we hit a new year. We're going to focus upon having hope for a new year. We've already been in, in Thessalonians one Sunday in this series because one Sunday we were talking about how Christmas time can be sad or depressing because we've got loved ones that have died maybe during the year uh, and they've gone on. And I shared with you out of First Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, about the, the hope that believers have in, in the Lord. And uh, so we've been in Thessalonians. And Paul wrote first and second Thessalonians to those believers at Thessalonica because they were facing some challenges. They were facing some difficulties in, in their lives. So he kind of wrote to encourage them. And one thing he does is make a, a neat application, I think, all through first and second Thessalonians, where he's more or less telling them, no matter what's going on in your world, no matter what type of upheaval may be taking place in the world that you live in, uh, no matter what type of political events may be taking place, uh, no matter what type of religious apostasy may be taking place, he's writing to these believers in Thessalonica, and he's telling them that they need to stand firm and hold to God's word no matter what it is they're facing. Matter of fact, in, in 2 Thessalonians, I, I want us to read uh, the first verse. It's not going to be our, our main text, 
But, but I want us to look at, at verse number 15 in chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15. And Paul writes these words. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So he's also more or less saying this. Paul saying, stand firm and hold to God's word. No matter what it is you're facing in life. That's what he is saying to the culture of that day. No matter what was taking place in their world, he, he said, as a believer, you need to stand firm and you need to hold to the word of God. Now that's kind of a, a general thought. Then he goes on in verse 16 and 17 and he writes to them, I think about hope. And this is going to be our main text today that we'll look at. Now, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, our father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So as we look at those two verses, what assurances of hope can we find for a new year? And I'm dealing with this with the awareness of some of our people struggling with health issues or the family members struggling with serious health issues. I know we have people here that have some concerns looking down the road, maybe just a few weeks down the road. And I'm not trying to be flippant in some way because we're human and we wrestle with emotions and we, we struggle with difficulties when they hit our lives. At the same time, I'm wanting to give us a foundation as believers to understand no matter what it is we're facing, we can still have hope. So what assurances of hope can we find for the new year? So as we walk through verse 16, 17, I want you to notice three things that I think can give us some assurance of hope in, in the new year. The first one is this, the relationship that a believer has with God provides hope. The believer's relationship. Let me qualify what I'm saying real quickly. The stuff I'm talking about hope today only qualifies to you if you know Christ as your savior. Because without Jesus, you don't have hope. And I'll come back to that near the end of the message as we get to the invitation. But if you know Christ as your savior, that means you're a believer. That means you have a relationship with God and the knowledge, the awareness that you have a relationship with God ought to provide hope for you, no matter what it is you're facing. Look at what he said there in the first part of verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, our father who loved us. Now I want you to notice a little side note there. Look at how he refers to Jesus. He clearly paints Jesus as being deity, doesn't he? Jesus being God, the Lord Jesus Christ and God the father. Let's look at those two relationships though. And think about how that ought to provide hope for us in the coming year. As a believer, you have a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way he phrased it with our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now just to look at some of the words that's used there in the original new Testament, the regional Greek language, Lord means supremacy, supreme in authority, controller, Lord, master. That, that's who Jesus is. 
Jesus, of course, was the given name of Jesus. And the name that he's given in the New Testament Greek references back to an Old Testament name that actually means this. It's the Old Testament name, Joshua, and it simply means this, Jehovah saves or Jehovah's salvation. That's who Jesus is. His name even describes what he came to do for us. And then Christ, and I think probably most of you know this, but Christ is not Jesus' last name. Like my last name is Parsons. That's his title. He, he's the one that had been promised to be sent from God. He's the, the Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah. It's the title of who Jesus Christ is. Now, here's the danger, I think, and, and why I want to center in on this for a minute and you think about it. I think there's a danger as we grow older in our faith or we've been Christians for a while that we tend to just take for granted the fact that Jesus Christ is our Lord. That we have a relationship with him. And we need to scale that back a little bit. And I want you to think about some really basic things. So no matter what you face in the coming year, here's what your focus ought to be. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Think about that for a minute. Think about what he came to do for you. What Jesus did for you upon the cross. He, and he's the one that's in control. He's the one that's in charge. So whatever you face this year, remind yourself of that. He's my Lord. He said, our Lord, he's my Lord. He's the one that's in control. He's the one that's in charge of whatever it is I'm going through my life. He's still in charge. He, he's Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. Remind yourself what he's done for you. He provided your salvation. He's the promised Messiah. He's the Christos. Don't allow the devil to come up and whisper to you and say, look how bad things are. Look how bad things are. Look how bad things are. And that's all you think about. As a believer, you ought to stop and think, yeah, things might be bad, but hey, this is really good. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen. The same thing's true of this relationship with God, our father. That's the way he phrased it. The way Paul writes here in Thessalonians, may the Lord Jesus Christ, may our Lord Jesus Christ and God, our father. We read over the little word and in the English, we don't think much about it, but here in the Greek, it means a cumulative effect. It's like you're stacking something on top of something to give you more truth to rely upon or a cognitive effect, which means honestly, without me being too, uh, improper anything, but it talks about a couple of effect being joined together. Something happens as a result of being joined together. So he, he said, yes, Jesus Christ is our Lord, but not only that, here's some more hope for you. Here's some more truth for you to rely upon. The very God that created everything, the God that's holy, 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 that God is your father. He's the supreme divinity and he is your father. Instead of being so discouraged when we face the things that we will face and we don't even know what they are now in the coming year, instead of acting like we don't have hope when we face those difficulties, go back to some simple basic things in your faith because we tend not to not think about these things as we should. When I'm facing something difficult this coming year, I need to remind myself, yeah, but Jesus is my Lord. Hey, and not only that, God the one that's holy, 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 God is my father. Think about that for a moment. 
Just like when you were growing up and you fell and you skinned your knee or you're having some kind of trouble in your life, you could run to your parent. You could run to your mother. You could run to your father. You could hop in their lap. You could tell them everything that was gone in your life. Guess who you have as your father as a believer? God himself is your father. You can run to him when you're facing difficulties in 2018. You can climb up in his lap, get in his arms, in your mind and in your heart and allow him to speak comfort to you as you just share with him everything that you're going through. Don't get over that. Don't pass over that too quickly. Remember that he is your heavenly father. Third thing I want you to notice right here is before we move on to the second main point is this. We have evidence that our Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father love us. That's what he said. May, may our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father who loved us. God loved us in a, in a social moral sense. He decided himself to love us. The root word means to breathe after, to love, even to dote over like a lover. Now, some of you, if you can think back far enough, I have to think back and and everything like that, thinking back to high school, I can remember praying that, that, that God would let me marry Becky one day when we were dating. And, uh, and, and I think it probably affected the way that I breathe. I, I, she can still affect the way I breathe, uh, sometimes in a good way, even after all these years and, uh, and, and all. And, and, and I would kind of dote over her, and I think she kind of dote over, over me. But I'm wanting you to think about this. Jesus Christ, God the Son, God the Father, loves you in that way. He loved you so much, it's like he was breathing after you. Jesus loved you so much that he went to the cross and he breathed hard on the cross as he was suffering for our sins and died for our sins to prove to us how much he loves us. God doted over us. He, he did all of that. He suffered and went through all that. God the Father did that for us in order that you and I can become the sons and daughters of God. Don't get over that thought. Don't let that become old news or old hat for you. As you go into a new year and you start to experience some difficulties, remind yourself this. I've got a relationship with God. Jesus is my Lord. God is my Father. I know they love me. And let that encourage you in the coming year. Second main truth I want you to gather from this text is, is, is this. Second main truth is the believer's status through grace ought to provide us hope. The believer, if you're a Christian, the status that you have through God's grace ought to provide you hope. I know it does, but I'm talking about even in the circumstances of life that you face. He, he goes on and he said this, after he said, may our Lord Jesus Christ and God, our father who loved us, he goes on and says, and gave us eternal comfort and good hope. Here's the way it happens through grace. You see that? Let's do some word studies there just for a minute too. And uh, once again, you've got that cumulative cumulative effect taking place and gave us, when you look at that in the Greek, it means to give in the widest application possible. 
God gave us, Jesus gave us in a wide application, eternal comfort. The word eternal means perpetual. Here in the Greek, it would refer to past time uh, or, the, or the present time and the future as well. It means forever. It means eternal. It means everlasting. It, it literally could be translated since the world began. The, the root word means an age or, or talks about uh, perpetuity, how, how we have this as a confidence that God has given us that type of eternal Comfort in the word for comfort is a form of the same word that the Holy Spirit is called our comforter in the New Testament. It means to implore or to exhort or, or to give us solace or comfort or consolation. The root word literally means this, to call near. I mean, it gives the idea of God calling you near as you're facing things. Allow God to call you near, to invite you near so he can invoke exhortation and consultation into your life. You've probably already figured this out, but I found out my life seems a whole lot better the closer I stay to Jesus. Amen. And the more I let him just call me over and invite me closer and closer to him. And the more I enter into that relationship with him, the more hopeful my life can be, the better my life can be. No matter what the difficulties may be that I'm facing, if I'll just allow him to to call me and and, and comfort me uh, like that. But he, he goes on and, 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 he, and he says, and he says this, he, he, he talks about us having that eternal, eternal comfort, him giving us that, that eternal comfort. And also he gives us a good hope, a benevolent, beneficial hope. It's a hope we've talked about all in this series. It's not a hope. So maybe so it's a confident expectation that God gives us that type of hope and he gives it through and this is the same word we've seen also a lot lately in this series. Sometimes it's translated by the word in, but here the word through is translated from a Greek word that denotes a fixed position or relation of rest. And then he says it happens through grace, through God's graciousness, the divine influence upon our heart that God gives us by his grace. We didn't deserve grace. We didn't earn grace, but God gives it to us. So here's what he's saying. Let me stack all that together real quick. He's saying, may the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ and God, the father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort, forever comfort, good hope in a fixed position of God's grace. So that means this for us as believers, you have a fixed position in the grace of God. That never, ever changes. Like John was talking earlier through uh, the, the very righteousness of Jesus being imputed to us, bank to our account. We have everlasting grace. We have a fixed position of grace. And the knowledge that we have a fixed position of grace ought to help us have more encouraged hearts. It ought to help us have, uh, have, have more comfort, more perpetual, eternal comfort, more good hope in our lives. The more we focus upon God's grace in our lives, that ought to cause us to have more and more and more hope. Does that make sense to you? In other words, he also, since he said it's an eternal comfort, it's a good hope in a fixed position of God's grace. That means this, Eternal comfort in that good hope includes 2018. Amen. Can I get a commitment up front? 
I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions. I'm talking about a commitment that we're making up front. That we decide as believers, if the Bible says that our Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father loved us and gave us eternal comfort, that covers 2018. Amen? That covers doctor's appointments. That covers funeral homes. That covers whatever it is we may face in our life. That's covered by the eternal comfort that we have because of the grace of God. We don't have an excuse when we get in 2018 to start acting like, oh, this is really bad. This is really bad. This is really bad. You know what? That's what the devil wants us to see. It's bad, bad, bad. It may be bad, bad, bad. But as believers, we can say no matter how bad this is, I still have the Lord Jesus Christ. I still have God as my father. They love me. They have given me an eternal comfort. And that includes now. That includes whatever I'm facing. That includes whatever I'll face the rest of my life. That includes whatever I'll face, not just in 2018. As long as I'm alive, I can have eternal comfort and good hope because of the fixed grace position of God that I'm in. Does that make sense to everybody? Here's how much hope we ought to have as believers. I want to read to you something out of Hebrews for a moment and then make an application from it. We, we ought to have a hope that's like we've got an anchor already pulling us into the presence of God. Look look at this in Hebrews. So when God desired to show more conventionally to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed with it, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. That's the first unchangeable thing. Then he goes on and he says, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf Having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, let me simplify all that for you. He's saying that what Jesus has done for us, Jesus came into this world, God in the flesh. He lived a perfect sinless life. Yes, he was crucified, nailed to a cross. He took his life back up. He ascended. He's gone back to heaven. He's on the other side of the veil, so to speak. Because Jesus has done that, Because Jesus is there, that's an anchor I have in my soul that I'm going to be there too. Amen? That's an anchor that I have in my soul that one day I'll be behind the veil in the very presence of God. He he refers to Jesus as a forerunner. To to give you a little bit of a background to that, in, in, in the Middle Eastern cities in that day and time, they would have wall cities and they'd post someone on the wall to keep an eye out for anyone coming back with news or whatever to the city. In particular, when the armies of Israel might be out in a battle, after the battle was over with, they would send a forerunner back to the city and the guy on the wall would see that first person coming back, that forerunner coming back with news of how the battle has gone. And that forerunner would enter in and announce they had won the victory. Are you, are you understanding where I'm going now? Jesus is our forerunner. Jesus came into this world. He paid for all of our sin. He won the victory on the cross. He took his life back up on the third day. He walked around to prove everything he said was true. And then he 
ascended and he sat down behind the veil in the very presence of the holy room in heaven. That's where Jesus is. He went there and he announced the victory has been won. And because Jesus is there as my forerunner, he's there as my victor. I've got this anchor in my soul that gives me hope that I'm going to be there one day. Amen. We ought to have that type of eternal hope because of what Jesus has done for us. We ought to have hope in 2018, first of all, because the relationship we have as believers. If you know Christ as your Savior, if you don't, as I said earlier, you need to. We'll come back to that at the end of the message. But because of the relationship we have, Jesus Christ is our Lord. God is our Father. They loved us. They proved how much they loved us. They've given us eternal comfort because of the status we have in God's grace. We have eternal comfort and good hope. So in 2018, we ought to be able to have hope no matter what we're facing. But there's a third thing I want you to see in this text. The third thing is this. The believer's consistent Christian conduct can also provide us hope. The believer's consistent Christian conduct can also provide hope. So listen closely because I don't want you to get messed up theologically. I'm not talking about us earning anything but good works. I am talking about though as being saved by grace, as we have our hearts comforted and established in every good work and word, there's some hope that goes with that in our lives. Paul writes these words, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. And I want to remind you, he's not telling you to comfort your heart. Remember what the whole verse said. Let's go back to the first part of verse 16. May the Lord Jesus Christ and God, our father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope. That's who it is. That's comfort in our hearts. It starts out saying, may Jesus and may God, the father and what they've done for you Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work. So it's God the Father, it's Jesus the Son, God the Son. They're the ones that's comforting our hearts. The the word for comfort there is the same word we saw earlier, talking about uh, like the Holy Spirit calling us near, God calling us near uh, to encourage us. It's saying, may God do that. May he comfort our, our hearts. The, the heart's not talking about the literal thing that beats in our chest. It was used figuratively just like we use it. I mean, you'll talk about your heart at Valentine's and things like that. Or, uh, you know, your, your heart loves someone so much. That, that's the way it's being used here. It, it talks about the thoughts or the feelings. Uh, by analogy, it's talking about the very middle of something, the very center of something. So you might say this. You might say that Jesus and God the Father will comfort our thoughts, our minds, our emotions, the very fiber of the very the very middle of our beings. You see, that's where we fight stuff out. That's where when, when things get tough in 2018, right there in the middle of your being, that's where that battle is going on to be discouraged and depressed and, and act like you don't have any hope. That's where we need to remind ourselves, hey, I do have hope because Jesus is my Lord and God is my father. And that evidence of what they've done for me and the grace they've given me, that, that is what is giving me comfort in my heart. That, that's what's providing my heart in comfort in such a way that it's establishing my heart. It's setting my heart fast to where I have a, a stable heart in the faith that I have in Jesus. So I want you to get this. While it is Jesus Christ, our Lord, 
and God the Father that's given us this comfort and given us this hope and established in our hearts. At the same time, Paul mentions every good work and work. And that's something that we do. We're to let the evidence of our relationship with Jesus and God the Father, the love they have for us, the grace they've given us, the the eternal comfort and good hope that we have, that is comfort in our hearts and established in our hearts. We're We're to allow that to encourage us to the degree that we go out and serve Jesus and serve others. We're allowing what God has done for us to cause us to have good works and good words. And if we will allow that to happen in our lives, you're going to be more hopeful. Now, you may be wondering, how does that work out? How can I be more hopeful by by me serving Jesus, by me serving others, by by me in, in every good uh, work and every good word. How does that work out to provide comfort in my life, especially in the coming year? And I don't even know what I, I, I might face in the coming year. Here's, I think, how it works out. In the coming year, if I'll be remembering all that God has done for me, Jesus is my Lord, God's my Father, they love me, they, they've given me eternal comfort and good hope because of their grace. He's, he's, he's comforted my heart. He's established my heart. If I will remember that, and in the coming year, when I'm facing difficulties, if I will focus upon serving other people with every good work and every word, here's what happens. I quit sitting around worrying about me. And instead, I'm serving God and I'm serving others And I have a more hopeful life because that established heart that God's given me, that extra hope that he's given me, as I use it to help someone else, that increases hope in my life. When I use it to comfort someone else, I get more comfort by the fact that God's somehow using me to provide his comfort to someone else. As I uh, try and serve somebody in some way or give somebody a good word, which a good word is a word about Jesus, amen? Remember what I told you day three, if I ask you a question, 99.9% of the time, the right answer is what? Jesus. That's what it is really referring to is in every good work and every good, good word. If we'll, if we'll do that, if we'll stay focused in, in that direction in the coming year, yes, we'll have challenges ourselves. but as we try to rise above the challenge and we quit having a pity party and we try to focus on helping others, the difficulty that we're going through will be much easier because instead of us sitting around worried about how bad it is, we've risen above that to serve God and serve other people and every good work and every good word. And I can have a more hopeful life because I have consistent Christian conduct taking place in my life. You following where I'm going with that? Does that make more sense? Let me read you something out of, uh, out of second Peter to try and to try and seal that just a little bit more, by the way, that every good work and every good word, that'd be a good motto for us to follow. Wouldn't in these dark days, our talk needs to be matched by our walk. And we need to remember to do that in our lives. I want you to know something that's found in Second Peter, chapter three, verse eleven and thir- through thirteen. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, 
What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Now, let me stop for a minute. I'll keep reading. All this stuff that we worry about so much, it's going to be gone one day. So since it's going to be gone, we ought to be more worried about living a godly life. Amen? And instead of worrying about the worldly stuff. Waiting for, verse 12, so I want you to really key in on. Waiting for and hastening the coming day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in, in which righteousness dwells. And a lot of us are thinking to ourselves, man, won't it be great when we get to live there? New heaven, new earth, righteousness dwells. Amen, great place to be. The Bible teaches that the day of the Lord is a set fixed time in God's calendar, in God's economy. We don't know when it is. I don't know when it is. You don't know when it is. If you start telling me you do, that simply lets me know you don't. If I start naming dates, come tell me, Pastor, you've gone crazy. The Bible says no one knows. You know, that's talking about the coming and the, the, you know, the whole nine yards of, of everything in eschatology in the end days. So it's a set time in history, and yet under divine inspiration, Peter writes this, waiting for that set time is what we're talking about, and hastening the coming of the day of God. How can it be a set time, and somehow we hasten it? Here's what I think he means by that. I can remember several years ago, uh, Becky had gone on a, on a trip. Uh, I think it might have been when she went with uh, one of her kids to Washington, maybe, or something. Uh, when they were, you know, used to, they may still, on the elementary schools, would take a trip to, to D.C. or whatever. That might have been what it is. I may be wrong. I'm getting old. I misremember things a whole lot anymore. Uh, she'll tell me later, no, that wasn't it. It was something else. But, but she had been gone, and I knew she was supposed to be coming home. And I knew it was getting close to the time that she was supposed to be coming home. And what I found myself doing was, was sitting, and uh, I look at my watch, and I go look out the window, and I go back, and I sit and look at my watch, and it had been two minutes, and it felt like it had been two hours. You ever done that before? And it, man, it just seemed like he was taking an eternity. And I'm thinking, well, where's she, where's she at? She's supposed to be here, supposed to be coming. And look at my watch and, and, and go look out the window. Finally, I decided this. You know what? I, this is crazy. I'm going to get up and do something. And I got up and started doing something, actively doing something. And then before I know it, guess what? The time had passed and there she was. I think that's kind of what he's talking about. There's a set time. But if you and I will do more than just sit around and wait for it, in our minds, in our spirits, we can be like we're Haitian and it's coming because we're busy serving Jesus and we're filling up our time by serving him. So the time passes faster because we're remembering, hey, Jesus is my Lord. God's my father. They love me. They've given me eternal comfort. They've given me great hope. God has established my, my heart in such a way that I need to be about good works and good words, serving God and others. And as I do that, it's going to speed up the time and time will pass faster. 
And all of a sudden, he'll be here. Amen. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth one day, and we'll be there. Regardless of what your eschatology is, your theology in the last days, there's coming a new heaven and a new earth, and there's going to be righteousness there. Thank God for that. Perfect place to be for all eternity. All I've tried to do this morning is try to give you some reasons to have hope in 2018. If you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord, if you know without any doubt you've trusted in Christ, that He's your Lord and God's your Father, and you have all the evidence in the world they love you, focus on that in this coming year and have hope no matter what it is you're going through. If you're a believer, focus upon the status of permanent grace that you're in. Fixed grace that you're in. Whenever you're going through difficulties, don't sit around and think about how bad it is. Think about grace, grace, grace. I'm in a fixed status of God's grace. And when you're facing difficult times in the coming year, instead of sitting around having a pity party, get busy serving God and serving others. And by your consistent Christian conduct, you'll find reasons to have hope even in the bad times of your life. But that's only true. You can only have hope in 2018 if you have hope now. And by having hope now, I'm meaning that you know Christ is your Savior. And if you don't have hope now, you can start out this new year more hopeful than you've ever been by knowing that Jesus is your Savior and knowing your sins are forgiven, knowing you're in a permanent position of God's grace. And if you don't know that, why go through another year not knowing? Why enter another year not knowing? And I want to encourage you in just a minute as we have the invitation time that if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that you'll know him this morning, that you'll pray by your head and say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I can't save myself. I believe Jesus died on the cross and he paid fully for all my sins. God, I want you to take away all that sin that he paid for on the cross. He took it already. He's paid for it. Like John was talking earlier, God, I want you to draw that all for me. And I want you to give me all of your righteousness. If you've never done that, why not do it today? And also during this time, as we think about having hope in the coming year, if you already know Christ as your Savior, why not make a commitment today to face 2018 more hopeful than you did 2017? I'm not talking about a New Year's resolution. Those don't last very long, do they? I made one last year, I think, to myself. I don't tend to tell them to everybody that way if I don't keep it, you know. I thought to myself, well, by 2018, I want to be about 20 pounds lighter. You can see how that one worked out. I'm not talking about making a a resolution today. I'm talking about us making a commitment as believers that we're going to make commitments before God to say, God, in this coming year, no matter what I face, I'm going to be more hopeful. Because I know Jesus is my Lord. God's my Father. I know you love me. I know you've given me eternal comfort. I know that you've given me good hope. I I know that you've established my heart and comfort in my heart. And Lord, I'm going to serve you in the coming year. God, I'm going to be more hopeful in the coming year. Will you make that kind of commitment as a believer this morning? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy.
We know without that, none of us would have any hope. We thank you that you sent Jesus to fully pay the penalty for our sins. Father, I pray that you help us who already know Christ as our Savior, that you help us never to never to forget what you've done for us. Father, guard our hearts and our, and our minds that we don't let it become old, old news to us that Jesus is our Lord, that God's our Father, and that you love us. Lord, help us to hold of that in the coming year. Father, in 2018, help us to understand that 2018 and the rest of our lives and all through eternity as believers it means that we've got eternal comfort that you've provided for us. We've got good hope that you've provided for us in a fixed position of your grace. And Father, help us to go out with established hearts as you've given us and help us with every good work and, and, and every good word this this coming year to serve you and serve others. Father, help us as believers to make those kinds of commitments to have more hope in 2018. And Father, I pray for anyone here that may not know Christ as Savior. Father, I pray you give them the hope they need right now to trust in Jesus and Him alone. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.